You are live with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. We've got a really cool show uh, later on in the program. We're going to be talking Windows 11. Yes, a new version. I think most people are using Windows 10 now. There's a whole bunch of new features coming in the latest version. There's a preview version out now. We'll be talking with Ken Weston from the Infotech Research Group on uh, some of the new features, including being able to run Android apps through Windows, which is amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, we'll find out how that all works and uh, if you'll even be able to upgrade. We'll also be talking with our good friend Peter Vogel about space tourism. We're going to see a big bump in that in the coming years. We've got uh, Jeff Bezos with uh, his uh, Blue Origin company. He's actually going to space. Uh, Richard Branson's got Virgin, uh, is it Galactic? Yes. Something like that. He's going to space too. And uh, you can as well if you've got a quarter of a million dollars. So we'll get a little more detail on that uh, too. John, We've uh, got a lot of uh, techie news things to talk about. But first, uh, you and I were both in uh, Tofino, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island, a beautiful, beautiful place in the world. Uh, I towed my trailer over there, which had to use my gas-powered SUV. But you have your little Kia Soul EV. Yes. And you, uh, you booted it over there. Yeah, I got to experience some of the new Electrify Canada network. Uh, These are charging stations. Yeah, charging stations across the uh, country. Uh, they had a, a really nice, huge installation in Nanaimo. So I got off the ferry, charged up for about half an hour or so to get me to Port Alberni, which I kind of didn't need to do, but we were just sort of being overly cautious, wanted to have the stops along the way. And then uh, we got to Tofino, and uh, surprisingly, there's charging stations all over the place. There's quite a few charging stations in Tofino. Tofino's a very small little town on the coast, so I I was actually pleasantly surprised at how many charging stations there were. And, and the campground we were at, I think Crystal Cove is called, they actually had a charging station. Yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, but <laughs> the dream was there. Yeah, I mean, there's always plan Bs, too, because I brought my charging cord from home so yeah. i could have just plugged into your campsite's power and yes charged that way as well but you know there's a couple of spots in town that we frequented that actually had chargers at them so we would go for dinner and charge my car were you worried going there well it's always the unknown because yeah. y- you never really know how far it's going to be and the interesting challenge that we had was that part of the highway was being uh closed during the days that we were traveling for construction and you know they're doing like this uh alternating traffic one lane thing so you'd be sitting there for half an hour we've just had a heat wave yeah so sitting there in traffic for a while when you're nervous about your battery because you've driven quite a while yeah right so it ended up being completely fine and uh i actually learned a few things about my air conditioning system with how much consumption of power it uses and was pleasantly surprised i was able to even be on the ferry coming home when it was like 40 degrees outside yeah and i was able to be cozy in chilly in my car with just the ac running yeah, I couldn't do that. I'm not allowed to run my car in the ferry to keep no. my air conditioning going. So I uh, I was a little sweaty, John. Yeah, well, you should have come come by. I had the dogs. Oh, they could have come. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so on the EV notes, this is an interesting uh, news item here, John. The Canadian government is now going to ban new gas car sales in 2035 onwards instead of 2040. 
So that means after 2035, you will not be able to buy a gasoline-powered car anymore. It's got to be some alternative fuel like hydrogen or natural gas or, of course, an electric vehicle. Do you think we'll be able to do that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to people, you know, car people that love their cars. They love working on their engines, that kind of thing. Is it going to become a niche thing? Like it'd be more like a hobby type thing that people will still be able to have. You just won't be able to buy a brand new Mustang, for example. No. Or you'll be able to retrofit, you know, that 67 fastback as an electric car because those kits will be more plentiful and maybe come down in price too. That'll be interesting, eh? Yeah. So that's not far away. That's 14 years away. Yeah. In 14 years, just run this through your mind, you won't be able to buy a gas-powered car. In Canada. In Canada. So that's in line now with California and the UK. So it also means that there's probably going to be some major incentives to switch. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there already is some pretty pretty compelling incentives. So the government's also saying that they're going to be investing literally hundreds of millions of dollars in new charging stations across the country. I'm just wondering, though, John, like, can they ramp that up at the same time? Like, in 14 years, there are no more gas car sales. Are there going to be enough charging stations to make this all work? We're already seeing uh, gas stations starting to offer charging stations to supplement, you know, the the gas side. Petro-Canada has some, and I think I heard the other day that Chevron's coming out with a line of charging stations across their stations as well. Yeah, but the gas stations won't be around anymore, John, right? Yeah, well, the, 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 basically they're going to turn in and stay convenience stores. That's the only reason I stop at a gas station anymore. Yeah, but that's valuable real estate for a little convenience store. Yeah. And you can't have that many cars on the lot to charge. That's true. That, well, that was my main concern going to Tofino is like how many people are going to already be using the charger? And when we stopped in Port Alberni, both chargers at the BC Hydro charging station were engaged. Okay, moving on to some other uh, tech news. I don't know if you saw this, uh, John. It's an electric vehicle as well. <laughs> it's the Heineken autonomous beer cooler car cart. It, it is pretty cute. <laughs> so this is a little artificial intelligent autonomous car that follows you around so when i say car it's tiny it can fit 12 heineken cans and keep them cool and you can basically just walk with it down to the park or beach and it just follows you (laughs) and chills your your buds your heinekens your heinekens yeah i still call them my buds but okay so do you want one you can't just buy one they have a contest going on here for the uh the beer outdoor transporter is what they call it I wonder how much this thing costs to make a lot <laughs> it, it, it looks like a little john deere it does yeah got the green heineken yeah color okay we have a great program for you today here on get connected uh, we will be talking about windows 11 yes windows 11 is coming out will your computer be able to handle it and we'll tell you how it can also run certain android apps uh, as well and we'll be talking about space tourism you got a spare quarter of a million dollars we'll be chatting with peter vogel on how to spend it and where you'll go back after this you're back with the program mike agarbo with john beeler Uh, We're going to talk something really interesting now, space tourism. We've been hearing a lot about it for years. Uh, It looks like it's becoming uh, more and more of a reality. To help us understand it, we've got our good friend Peter Vogel. He's a uh, local Vancouver tech expert. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. Uh, I read an interesting article uh, that you had written uh, about space tourism. 
before we get into what's happening now, when did it kind of start? It happened a while ago, didn't it? Yes, it did. And there, there have been several aspects to it. Uh, but primarily, it was a, a businessman, Dennis Tito, who paid uh, supposedly 30 mil to the Russian space agency, which irked NASA to no end. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you're paying half the freight, I guess you can do what you want. And so the Russians needed that 30 million post-communist uh, era, shall we say. And so that was 2001. Off he went, six days on the uh, ISS. He, uh, he didn't like it that uh, NASA labeled him a tourist. And he <laughs> felt that they'd gone through rigorous uh, training in Russia. So uh, we have the term space participant. Space participants. Is that what he wanted to be known as? Did he get no, a rib- did he get a no. ribbon for that? <laughs> no, he he that, that that's the term that uh, NASA begrudgingly used at the time. Yeah. He considers himself an astronaut. Oh, that's uh, that's very interesting. So now fast forward to today. Uh, I mean, there's been a number of companies. I think the the one that comes to my mind would be Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic, uh, I believe. Uh, uh, yep. But there are others in the race as well. Right. So we have uh, we have two competitors in the space tourism business. We have uh, uh, Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic, uh, who has famously said uh, that each year for the last number of years, he would be going into space. Uh, that may happen this year. And we have uh, Jeff Bezos with uh, Blue Origin and his craft called uh, New Shepard. And... Uh, he has said he will actually launch uh, July 20 this year. And that has uh, kind of led the two to compete. And the rumor is that uh, Branson will pull a fast one and uh, beat him by a day or two. <laughs> so what what do you get when you spend all that money to go up into space? And it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. We don't know the actual amount, uh, but we're rumored to uh, be spending upwards of a quarter million. Uh, and uh, off, uh, off we go for between 8 and 12 minutes of uh, space flight, shall we say. That's a lot of bucks <laughs> to go to space for 8 to 12 minutes. Uh, yes, and those are, of course, uh, U.S. dollars. Um, yeah. uh, yep, so far we have had no tourists uh, fit that bill um, on, on either of those craft, uh, although Branson did launch uh, his, quote, director of space tourism operations on one of the test flights. So she technically became an astronaut uh, under the American definition. The craft went beyond uh, 50 nautical miles, uh, which is a long-standing uh, U.S. Air Force um, designation to be an astronaut. Just looking back to um, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic, that hasn't been uh, a smooth ride, so to say, uh, up until this point. There's been a few issues or challenges he's gone yes, through. Yes, that has been extremely challenging, uh, and it's a, a very uh, complex procedure where the craft is actually launched from uh, the belly of uh, a plane, actually two planes, which are linked by a common wing, so a very enormous uh, aircraft which takes the, uh, the craft itself, uh, called Ultra, to uh, about forty to 50,000 feet. And then it's dropped, rockets are fired, and the craft heads off towards space. Now, that craft is uh, controlled by two onboard pilots. And uh, 
Sadly, in one of the tests, a pilot made a mistake and the craft broke up and the crew was lost. Um, the Bezos operation is entirely autonomous and is much more uh, familiar to us as a rocket. Basically, a capsule sits on top of a rocket. You fire the rocket vertically and uh, the capsule frees itself and around six passengers, uh, perhaps even uh, eight, uh, are in this craft, this pod, and uh, it reaches up to about a uh, hundred uh, miles or so. Oh, okay. So, wow. And so, I know with the Virgin Galactic, it's like a plane; it just lands again. Yes. Uh, uh, but so, Jeff Bezos, it, you're float down in a capsule. That's correct. Parachute landing. Yep. How safe are any of these? Well, we, we don't know for sure, but uh, they are um, rigorously controlled to, to an extent by the uh, FAA. Certain um, standing must be granted before you can launch. Uh, the Bezos craft has launched a dozen times successfully, so arguably it is ready to go. The, the Branson craft uh, less than a handful of times uh, and so one could argue it has substantially more testing to go, but apparently they only require two tests to become certified. And I think Branson is hoping to be on one of those as owner. So the FAA is regulating this down in the U.S. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just so interesting that they're into rockets now. <laughs> governing it's, that, it it, that it is bizarre. It's yeah. apparently anything that's airborne, shall we say. Yeah. Um, so space tourism, uh, I guess, taking another twist, um, I, I read uh, back a while ago that um, Tom Cruise would be going into space as well, which I thought yes. it was a joke at first, but it's not. Yes, uh, many thought it was a joke, uh, but this is a, a fundraising uh, effort again by uh, the, the space agencies, shall we say, the, the NASA and Roscosmos, the Russian agency, which jointly run uh, the space station. So we can safely assume that they're paying a, a hefty fee that uh, irked the Russians to some extent. And they apparently have hired their own director and movie star and intend to beat Cruise and company by two weeks. <laughs> so Tom Cruise is actually going to film uh, some, yes. some, a movie up there or parts yes. of a movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, a, a major motion picture title as yet unknown, I believe. Uh, but fully funded already by, uh, I think, Paramount. Um, so he's ready to go. Wow. I wonder if they can get insurance for Tom Cruise to stick him on, <laughs> on this rocket. <laughs> that would be expensive. Don't know about uh, insur insurance there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's um, that's crazy. But So the International Space Station, um, like who? I, I know it's being jointly run, but, I mean, if you can get a rocket up there, can you just – pop on in is that it just seems pretty loosey-goosey uh, are you talking about to get to the space station yeah uh, you, you, you have forward. to go through the uh, the governing agencies yeah. and uh you know money talks especially on the russian side because the americans have now stopped launching at 30 mil a pop and have gone with um with elon musk and spacex so that's yeah. where that that dollar has gone and uh there are also political factors. Uh, some of the 
Russians have been placed on uh, sanctions list by the American government over political things. Yeah. Uh, so there's a threat from the Russians to pull out of the ISS program, likely not to happen. And the the Biden-Putin uh, meeting seems to have maybe smoothed over some of that, that rough spots. So right now, the space tourism, it looks like it's starting to happen. It's super expensive. Do you see a, a, a day where that price will come down to be more affordable to, to us uh, regular humans? Uh, I, I suppose that will will happen inevitably. So, uh, but from what I understand, uh, Branson has two or three hundred orders on the books uh, at that two fifty thousand uh, price point. So, it's a long way off. You know, you're only launching five at a time. Uh, we're, we're looking, I think, uh, half a decade or more before there's any substantial drop. Okay, so my question to you, Peter, if you had to choose between the two, which which one would you go, the Virgin Galactic or Jeff Bezos Origin? It, it, it would be the uh, the Bezos Blue Origin New Shepard craft. Uh, uh, I, th- I think a little bit less of a showman at work there. Uh, certainly his craft is named after Alan Shepard, the first American astronaut, and uh, it's been a lifelong project for Bezos, uh, less so, I think, for uh, Branson and Galactic. And uh, I think business comes first with Branson. Um, yeah. You know, he's got a spin-off company, uh, Virgin Orbit. So he's got a 747 that he uses to launch small satellites. Uh, and so that's the paying, another paying part of the uh, equation for him. Been talking with Peter Vogel all about uh, the burgeoning space tourum industry thanks for joining us today thanks very much for having me uh may we meet one day in space exactly when we come back from the break more tech to talk stay tuned you are back with get connected mike here with john it's windows time john windows 11 has been announced is the world a fire well it is but not because of that I think a lot of us, uh, you know, you're either Mac or your your PC, Windows, essentially, for the yeah. for the most part. Uh, and I think a majority of people now are probably using probably using uh, Windows 10, but they have announced Windows 11 coming out, which was a surprise for me because early on, I don't know who said it at Microsoft. They said Windows 10 will be the last version of Windows. They'll just keep updating it. Right. But now they've come out with a whole new Windows 11. Yeah. Well, to help us understand that, uh, we've got uh, our good friend Ken Weston. He is from Infotech Research Group out of London, Ontario. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Thank you for having me. Can I call you a Windows nut? Uh, That's, yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess my first question, does anyone care that Windows 11 has come out, do you think? Is Is it an important upgrade? Well, I care. Yeah. I think that these features are really neat. The user experience appears to be a lot cleaner. Um, some interesting security upgrades and updates are being foreshadowed by some of the requirements for this. Uh, do IT departments care that Windows 11 is here? Probably not. There hasn't been a whole lot of um of features targeted at them quite yet, but the Windows Insider Preview Group definitely will care about this. It was uh, pushed out to them on the 28th already. It's interesting. Like I, I just wonder uh, out loud again, 
why didn't they just keep upgrading Windows 10? Like, why do you, you know, if you had to speculate, why come out with the whole new kind of version and make a big deal out, out of it? Yeah, they really did bamboozle us there. They're like, Windows 10, last version of Windows, and then bamboozled, here's Windows 11. Yeah. Um, maybe just some of the features in terms of the user experience just were so significant that it required a major rewrite or a major update that it wouldn't fit under the scope of Windows 10. Um, I suspect that there's been a renewed focus on cybersecurity with Windows, requiring a trusted platform module 2.0 chip on all of the Windows 11 computers. There's something there with that. I guess uh, the big thing too, the support for Windows, right? You know, they, eventually with every version of Windows, they retire the support. Like you're not able to get support for Windows 95 or, or Windows XP, I, I don't think. And so maybe this is a way to send Windows 10 into the, uh, the, the sunset, so to speak, so that at, at some point they can say, we're not supporting Windows 10 anymore. Because at some point, if they just kept updating Windows 10, like where, where do you draw the line? Like how do you make that easy for people to understand that they won't support certain versions of it? And I think, Ken, you, you touched on an important point there. With Windows 11, there's some very specific hardware requirements for you to be eligible to upgrade, which I think is going to be kind of like the line in the sand for some people. You know, there's some people that have, you know, older machines and things are going to work just fine running their, lat, you know, whatever version of Windows 10. And I suspect Microsoft will continue to support it to a degree for a period of time and overlap everything. But, you know, like your, you know, your, your parents laptop is going to be fine they're not going to need to run out and buy a new one right away but if they want to take advantage of the new things that windows 11 is going to bring and we're going to talk about that in a minute there's some pretty good reasons to upgrade let's talk about the reasons to upgrade uh ken what what are some of the things that you thought were worth it or, or cool yeah, I I was really blown away when they announced that Android apps would be supported natively on Windows 11. Um, I I'm just reimagining my life after the pandemic, sitting in an airport, scrolling through TikTok on my laptop because my phones died, or trying to play Pokemon Go and get all my Pokemon stops in for the day. Um, right on my Windows 11 computer. That seems really neat. Being able to have the same desktop, uh, the same set of applications, the same settings, the same setup in between multiple computers, a persistent desktop seems really intriguing to me because I do work on a personal computer and I do work on a work laptop. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge one. And uh, big snaps for the new snapping features. I'm a big fan of snapping across all of my monitors, having wee little boxes everywhere. It's going to be, I'm really excited for it. Uh, before we get into the snapping, which I think is uh, something we should talk about, uh, I just want to make clear with the whole Android thing. So you're saying if I have an Android phone with you know a Google account, I will be able to run basically all the apps I have and it'll be the same on my Windows laptop. That's the vision. Now, is that going to be reality? Well, maybe, probably not. Um, they they went after this feature because it's already there on Apple devices. If you have an Apple device, they're already running towards the vision of an app running on iOS, an app running on iPad OS is going to be the same running on your Mac OS. That's the vision that they're leaning towards. Um, unfortunately, there's no Windows phone anymore, so Microsoft can only look at Android. And as long as the app is available in the 
Amazon Android App Store, then it will run on the Windows App Store. Oh, oh. Why, why is that? Why not the, the Google the, Play Store? Well, so I, I was listening to um, I was listening to The Verge, and apparently it's because Microsoft has said to Google, we'll let you play with us. We'll let you into the Microsoft App Store if you want. But looking at this frenemy partnership between Amazon and Microsoft, it's already been established. It keeps Google an arm's length away from the Windows ecosystem but it still gets all of those Android apps onto the Windows computers, theoretically. So, Ken, just to clarify, do you need an Android phone for this to work, or can you just start installing Android apps on your Windows 11 machine? I think as long as you have an Amazon Android App Store account, you'll be able to start installing um, Windows 10, a Windows 11 you'll be able to start installing Android apps on your Windows 11 device. Because I think that's a really magical point. If that is the case, it lets people that want to be ambidextrous and have you know an iPhone and explore the world of Android on their desktop, right? So I think that could be a, a, a major gateway drug for potential Android converts, right? Well, I think the big yes. thing, you know how all these Windows laptop manufacturers have been touting for years? You know, they've got the convertible laptops that convert into a tablet. I've always found that the the Windows tablet experience lacking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's not lighting my world on fire. However, if I could have Android apps on my Windows laptop now that converts into a tablet, that is now a fully functioning Android tablet that yeah. I'm I'm used to and I know works well. But I think Ken's it, point is in theory. <laughs> so in theory. Yeah. It also might help uh get some of those Chromebook users. We see Chrome OS being heavily leveraged in education right now, uh, especially oh, yeah. um, elementary education. And this is an opportunity to still keep a similar experience for those uh, young folk. The, <laughs> the young folk. We're talking with our good friend, uh, Ken. He is uh, from the uh, folks over at Infotech Research uh, Group. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking more about uh, some of the new features of Windows 11. Should you upgrade? Can you actually upgrade? And uh, we'll talk about the App Store as well. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit our contest uh, page. It's the last weekend of the e-scooter giveaway. Yes, the Unagi East electric scooter. Do we have a secret word this week? We do. Okay, so if you stay tuned till the end of the show, we have a secret word that we're going to tell you that will give you extra entries into the contest to increase your chances of winning this cool e-scooter from Unagi. Kind of like the Tesla of e-scooters. We're talking uh, with our uh, good friend, uh, Ken, over at the Infotech Research Group, uh, all about Windows 11. We've talked about how it's going to be able to run Android apps, kind of. And uh, let's talk about some of the other uh, features, uh, Ken. Uh, what else kind of uh, lit you? Uh, was it uh, the, the snapping you were talking about, the windows? D- tell the, the listeners what that means. So uh, with Windows, I believe it was Windows 7, it first came out, you were able to uh, snap windows onto your screen. So if you've got Microsoft Word open, you can hold the Windows key and then press one of the, the arrow keys and it'll either move to the left side, the right side, it'll minimize it and maximize it. Uh, and this was always considered a power user tool, uh, not heavily advertised as part of the operating system. It's 
stayed definitely for Windows 8 and still very prevalent in uh, Windows 10, but now it's front and center. It was one of the first features advertised as part of it. They even had a Windows Surface that someone was holding and they moved, they rotated the Surface and all of the Windows also rotated on that Surface. Um, seeing some more capabilities to have smaller screens so that way you can have more windows snapped together uh, and it just makes it a lot easier to manage your windows and your user interface uh, windows finally getting good at managing windows I, I have to agree with you. I use the window snap feature all the time because you can do it with the Windows key, but you can also use your mouse to drag a window to the right or left side and it just kind of yes. snaps in place and i i'm I, I go both ways. I, I have a Mac. Uh, I also have Windows. And it's the one feature on the Mac that just drives me crazy and not having that. I know there's some third-party little software plugins that make that happen, but they don't work that well. And so I'm always making fun of John that I can do it on Windows, but he can't. You don't care. No. No, he doesn't care. Okay, so the snapping tool, obviously very cool. What else, Ken? The start button, they didn't move. They didn't get rid of it like they did with Windows 8. It's still there, but it's in the middle. Whoa. The, who cares? <laughs> like, really? And, and, you can move it ba- and you can move it back to the left if you're just like, if it's upset yes. your world too much. All IT departments everywhere. How do I move the start button back? Yeah. Definitely. Interesting. Um, other major features, when I'm looking at it from um, a developer standpoint, the App Store is no longer going to exclude Win32 apps. Uh, those classic apps uh, written for ages with uh, Windows operating systems. If I'm uh, if I'm an enterprise application developer and I'm not using a web app or it's not accessible through the web browser, then it's most likely one of these legacy Win32 applications. And the current app store doesn't support it unless it's a video game, is my understanding. And now it'll be so much easier. They can uh, theoretically, they can just upload the app, the Win32 app, and they can upload updates to it to the app store. You know, it's surprising how many of these really super old apps are out there, you know, especially kind of in the, the business world. Like even on, on the radio side, there's this uh, software program called Burley, which all the radio station people seem to use to do the recordings and, and manage their segments and that. And it is, it, I think it's awful, but it's just what everyone uses. And it is old. I think it's like 10, 15 years old made with C and C++. Yeah, back back from the old days. So let's talk about the system requirements. Uh, you know, what kind of machine do I have to have to run Windows 11? So it doesn't have that heavy-duty system requirements uh, in terms of space and memory storage and processing power. If you have a decent computer from the past four years, it should be able the requirements say that it should meet those minimum requirements. The gotcha, though, comes with that trusted platform module requirement. Uh, Microsoft has never required that trusted platform module for the Windows home computers for the 
for professional and enterprise computers, it has had that as a requirement. Um, but for those Windows Home users, such as myself, if you've got a motherboard from 2014, then you're probably going to be out of luck because even if you can find a trusted platform module that will fit into your legacy motherboard, it's not going to be up to TPM 2.0. So in English for people, <laughs> for the listeners out there. If you, there's an app that Microsoft's already installed, it'll automatically check your computer to see if everything's set up properly. Perfect. If it's everything's not set up properly, then you're probably going to have to dig into the BIOS and dig into the motherboard specs to see. Which everyone loves, everyone loves doing that. I loved doing that. No. But normal, um, but normal people do not love doing normal that. Normal people do not. How old do you think the, the computers are then? Like, how far back do you think this will run on computers? If you had to make a, a guesstimate. Yeah, I, I'm guessing anything from 2016 forward might be fine. Yeah. I haven't paid that much attention to motherboard specs, though. And that's the challenge is there's just so many variables that can come into play because they might have skipped that trusted module, for example, to make room for something else. Or it's there, and because you're a consumer, it was never turned on, and now we have to teach Grandma Barbara how to go into the BIOS or UFE and turn it on. Oh, Grandma Barbara. We've been talking with Ken Weston. He's from the Infotech Research Group, all about the new Windows 11 coming out. There's a preview version available. We'll be covering this more in upcoming shows, as most people in the world do use Windows, uh, Windows 10 and hopefully Windows 11 if their machine can handle it. Ken, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. When we come back from the break, we're going to give you that secret word. And that secret word will get you more entries into our e-scooter contest. Giving away an Unagi e-scooter. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. As we had uh, mentioned earlier, there is a secret word for our contest. The contest, once again, giving away an e-scooter. This thing is worth 1400 bucks. It's like the Tesla of e-scooters. It's amazing. You charge it up, it'll go for 12 miles, which is quite a, quite a far ways before you have to recharge it. It goes 30 kilometers an hour. Go to our website, getconnectedmedian.com. There's a link up there for the contest. And we have a secret word, John. The secret word is heat wave. Very apropos <laughs> this uh, this week. Again, all one word, heat wave. If you uh, take that to the contest page, there's a place where you can enter it and get extra ballots. The contest page is in the top of the website. People still email me saying, where do I find the place to put the secret word? You got to enter the contest through the contest page. Look for the scooter icon and that will take you through to that. I want to thank everyone that uh, helps put the show together. It uh, takes a team of us. Uh, of course, John, my co-host, and he's one of the producers, and uh, Christina as well, and uh, the rest of the group uh, back at the, the studio, including Robin, Stephen, uh, Nigel, and uh, Denny. I'm probably forgetting people, so I'll, uh, I'll mention them next time. Uh, don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, uh, tomorrow or Saturday night if you're in Toronto. We'll be doing a deeper dive on Windows 11 and the whole Android app world. Like, what apps will you be able to use? How well will it, will it work? We'll be talking with uh, Ken Weston from Infotech Research Group. Until next time, you can always catch us up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. See you there.